Let's get the party started. Uh, welcome to the Panic Attack with Big John. want to ask you to like, share, and subscribe. So, um, today I, uh, there was a, uh, a piece out, an article out, whatever you want to call it. Um, might as well look it up here since I'm on the subject. I have to get on my Facebook. Hold on, this will only take forever. Alright, here we are. I started a heated debate. And, uh, I guess I, I knew it was going to happen. Um, let's see. Uh, statement. Okay. So, um, see if I can scroll up here and find it. All right. So, okay. So, uh, Governor DeWine said it's not a Christian thing to do. DeWine says in, says in person church services are a huge risk. And my, I shared this news article. My nose is itching. Sorry. God, I put, God's not going to let you get sick in his house. So, my friend, one of my friends, I won't name their names. Or, yeah, I will. Uh, Alan said, or he posted a news article. At least 70 people infected with coronavirus linked to a single church. That's from CNN.com. <laughs> My friend Nate said, God has a lot of power, but can't save you from yourself, and you still have free will, and to put yourself in such a vulnerable position whenever it could be easily done outside in a safe manner is just dumb. And then my friend Chuck said, I'm pretty sure that history has shown that he would. And then I responded to all of them. Well, speaking from my own experience, God has saved my life. When doctors gave up uh, on me, I'll post the full story later. Uh, Nate replied to that comment. Without a doubt, the only reason my grandmother is here today is because of him. But we should... should but should we force his hand, the bulk of churchgoers are older and at higher risk of complications. We're seeing beautiful weather, have services in a park, at a parking lot, whatever, wherever, just not confined spaces. Most young people are not staying home to protect themselves. They're doing 
it to protect our loved ones. And I replied, I see your point. Uh, then Chuck replied, yeah, well, the same God has allowed church shootings and bombings. So, I always thought Chuck was pretty Christian. And I replied to him, I stand by my statement and that, and that was Satan at work, not God. I don't have all the answers, but I have faith. And then I put an asterisk. The word that means shootings and bombings. And uh, nobody's replied further since then. But um, that brings me to my first point of this uh, video and podcast. Uh, if you're listening on the Anchor app, I appreciate that. If you're looking at my beautiful face on YouTube, thank you. Um, this is my testimony. And... Uh, you know, I've had about three versions of this. Um, because I just feel that over time, you know, God puts more things on my heart and I remember more things. But I call this version 3.2019. Because it was the, the third version and uh, I revised it in 2019. But the, base, the, the main story is always the same. I kind of nicknamed this or subtitled it, however you want to call that. Uh, Thank God for grandmas who talk, who like to talk even when their grandson doesn't want to listen. Um, the but this is my testimony. The Bible says there are many demons in hell as well as Satan, which all wreak havoc in people's lives. Keep that in the back of your mind. One day, circa summer of 1999, I was home after my first year of college, sitting in the front room watching TV with my grandma when she started to talk. I think my attitude was not the best, and I didn't want to listen. 22-year-old know-it-all, <laughs> right? And she filled in all the blank spaces in my head about a strange illness and hospital stay I had when I was a child. I wondered why people said this or that, and she just kept talking and filling in all the things I didn't understand. Let's get into the DeLorean and go back in time to 1988. I was in the sixth grade. I came down with what my family thought was the flu. After... After about a week on a Saturday night... It was clear this was far more than the flu. My breathing was labored, to say the least. I was taking shallow breaths, about half of a normal breath. On Sunday afternoon, my mother drove me to East Liverpool City Hospital. The most I remember about that day was sitting in the emergency room for a long time. I had blood taken 
was given a blood gas test, which hurts like the dickens, and then given a, a breathing treatment. I was sent to a room in the kids' ward, the, the children's wing of the hospital. Back then it was called the children's ward, where I remember Dr. Lava sticking his head in the door and saying, we're going to make you better. I, th I think it turned out I had pneumonia, which spurred an unknown virus to attack my right lung. The hours spent in the ER were because there was a debate as to admit me for more tests or not. Since my mom was a waitress, we had no insurance. The debate was between Dr. Lava and the powers that be over how my family would pay the bills. Yes, there were demons telling the hospital administrators not to admit me because I was uninsured. Things were a lot different in 1988. Finally, I was admitted. After days of tests, antibiotics, and treatments, I fainted in the x-ray room. The mysterious gel-like fluid that was around my lung was now approaching my heart. After that, I was taken to ICU to be treated. After another debate between Reverend Perry, I love that guy, the hospital chaplain and a doctor over insurance, how my mom would pay the bills, a doctor put a tube in, my right, in the right side of my back, an agonizing process. After the second attempt of inserting a chest tube, fluid poured from my back. After three days in ICU, which nurses attested should have been longer, I was sent back to the kids' ward within a few days. Well, I was sent back to the kids' ward. Within a few days, my vital signs were dropping and another tube was inserted. This insertion was slightly successful, still too painful for a 12-year-old to endure. Slightly successful, the doctors drained some more fluid from around my lung, but not the infectious fluid that had now turned into a gel-like substance. My vital signs continued to drop after that point. At that time, the doctors told my mother to call in the family. I was not going to make it. She called my grandparents and told them to pass the word on to the rest of the family to get ready for my funeral. My grandparents did their crying on the way to the hospital so they could be strong when they got to the hospital for my mom. At some point, one of the doctors had the idea to send me to St. Elizabeth's in Youngstown and Dr. Mazzola, the region's best chest specialist. Upon arriving at the Slurpool Hospital, my pap made a pap, that's what we call grandpa's where I come from. My pap made a quick visit to my room and told me to keep a stiff upper lip as well as trying to give me his wedding ring for good luck. It was decided that my grandma would ride in the ambulance with me and my mother would follow in her car.
My pap went home to alert the rest of the family. My pap went home. Instead of calling in the family for my funeral, he called in the Calvary. Virginia Wellington and the Oak Ridge Church prayer chain. God hears the cries and prayers of his people. 1 Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. First John 5.15 And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have that we have what we asked of him. What happened next was nothing short of a miracle. I was loaded into an ambulance. As he climbed in, the, the driver said, Let's hope we make it to Youngstown. Still in the dark about the seriousness of my situation, I thought, oh great, an ambulance with a bad motor. The, the EMT almost tipped me off too, how ill I was when she talked about on critical patients, we usually have a doctor on board. And on critical patients, do we take their vitals every 30 or 15 minutes? My thoughts were, I didn't know I was critical. My grandma in her conversation, I didn't want to listen to, explained to me that summer of 99, I was not supposed to live to see Youngstown. Until the miracle, it was a pretty boring ride on Route 11 North, the first Columbiana exit as it came to be known, about a 30-minute drive, the female EMT in the back with me checked my vitals. She responded joyfully, his vitals are back to normal. The lady was so excited she propped me up so I could wave to my mom. It was like God said, Enough, devil! Now it's my time to save this boy. When we arrived at St. Elizabeth Hospital, there was a scramble to find a bed, 80, bed 8206A. The first person I saw at the hospital was a nun. At St. E's, At St. E's, my mom was brought out of the dark to the severity of my situation. My mom was shown x-rays and told of the surgery and possible outcomes. I was taken out of bed and told to walk with hoses, IVs, and all. The surgery went well. I spent three days in the recovery room. Oops, what just happened there? Dr. Mazula's associate, or doctor partner, however you want to call it, Dr. Mazula's associate doctor, who assisted in the surgery, looked over the 
fluid that was around my lung, tested it, and all he could say was it was probably it would probably not come back, but he had never seen anything like it. Crazy, huh? That's what happens when the devil and his demons are at work. I'm still here in spite of the devil's best efforts. Amen. This proves to me that there is one true God. I was given up for dead, taken off meds. My family was told I would not live one more hour. And somehow 30 minutes later, I was being healed with no one's help but God's. Maybe this happened to show all things are possible through God. Maybe I was healed and brought through this to show people what is really possible and miracles still happen. After my grandma's long agonizing story, just kidding, <laughs> I went back to Kent State alone in my dorm room. I got down on my knees and prayed for a church with young people, one of those bands that plays guitars and drums. As it turned out, the long-haired hippie guy across the hall went to that exact kind of church. We started going to Christian Life Center, and Mike Rice and I became best friends. This is when I really became a Christian. Amen. So, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now um, it's almost like we've pushed God and Christ off to the side um, a, a pastor friend of mine told me that you know most kids don't know what the Bible is right now um, you know, an earlier version of this testimony, I, um, cited the fact that, um, when I was a kid, I always went to Sunday school and there were other kids in my Sunday school class. Um, some of some of them. Um, you know, the James sisters, um, Marcia and Debbie, um, Ira Thompson, who's not with us anymore. Um, Richie Miller, Megan Thompson, um, and a few others, um, Robbie Moslin, or the, no, Robbie wasn't there anymore, it was, it was Brian Eckelman who was the pastor, so, but, uh, there was a Robbie Moslin, or the pastor before Brian, his son was kind of 
<clears throat> pardon me. Robbie was kind of a little snot nose, but he he got over it quick. He was pretty. He was very. Me and him were really cool, really good friends. Um, but those those kids, um, you know, Ira, Marsha, Debbie, Megan, Richie, they all they had something, and. You know, I wanted that thing. And they used to always tell us in Sunday school when we were kids. Um, was it Judy Dornick? I think it was Judy. Hey, Judy. Cindy. Yeah, well, I was, we'll just say Judy and Cindy. Um... They, they always had us pray this simple prayer, you know, that ended with Jesus come into my heart. And I could tell, you know, those other kids had Jesus in their hearts. And I, um, I wanted to be like them and I wanted to have what they had. So... One Sunday morning, instead of just going through the motion and repeating what um, Cindy and uh, Judy, um, I'm struggling to recollect. My age is catching up with my memory. But, you know, instead of just going through the motions, you know, Jesus come into my heart, I really put my head down, closed my eyes tight. And was like, Jesus, come into my heart, please, Jesus. And that, you know, I felt something different that Sunday. I was probably like eight years old or something. And I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I was far from perfect. But I think that, you know, accepting Christ at that point, you know, helped me through this, you know, I was a Christian then, and, you know, at the time my grandmother told me this story, I was coming out of, like, a dark place in life where I just, I hated life. And I think her telling me this story was the thing that I needed to become born again. Um... Because, you know, even when I was in my dark place and I drank, I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic. I quit, like, many times. I just, like, you know, I'm not going to be the guy that embarrasses himself at parties. And I was starting to become that. I was starting to drink until I passed out and threw up and stuff. And, you know, but I just stopped. But I still just had jealousy and anger in my heart that was blocking my relationship with God. Um, I was jealous, you know, like I would see the, I would see the people that I presumed were not good people in life, getting things that I wanted. And that, that took a toll on me. Um, 
It really, it just, it took a toll when I was like 17, 18, up until I was 21. I think I just turned 22 and I went away to Kent State. My first year there was kind of rocky, first semester especially. I was homesick and didn't realize it. Then the second semester, I, you know, started getting out more, having more fun. Um, but I still felt that emptiness, that loneliness that, you know, alcohol couldn't fulfill, women couldn't fulfill, um, only God could fulfill it. And, you know, when my grandma told me this story, you know, it had like a month or two to sink in. And when I went back to Kent, like I said, um, I met the guy that ended up being my best friend. And um, my only friend, I only have one friend. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I met my buddy and, you know, we, we, when he first came into the dorm, we used to rag on him. Cause he had long hair and he always wore his army jacket or his like green camouflage fatigue. Uh, I guess it was a jacket, but he was actually in the army. So that was okay. We thought we, we thought he was just wearing it to like a fashion statement. And, um, but you know, he said something one time, I don't know how, you know, well, other people were making fun of him. And I said, you know, I'm not that person that goes along with the flow. And, you know, when others are making fun of someone, uh, that's usually the person I go to. And I try to, you know, be close to them. And um, I just like an underdog. I like to be supportive of, you know, the little man. Mike was not that little. He's like, bench press is like 400 pounds, maybe 500. I don't know. Four, I've seen him bench press 400 pounds. Um, but anyway, that's not the point. Um, you know, I decided to try to get to know him better. And I started saying, hey man, come over here and hang out with us. And I don't know if it was a month or two into the school year, uh, and somehow or another it came up, you know, he goes to church. Um, and so, you know, I said, hey, can I go with you some Sunday? And so, you know, pretty soon we had like everyone on our floor in that dorm going to his church. <laughs> he had the, this big blue, uh, what do you call those? Not not a cargo van, conversion van. I don't know, but it had like the shag carpeting and and stuff. And man, we had a lot of fun fun trips in that van. He used to give me rides home on the weekend and stuff uh, when we 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 had an apartment together in Ravenna. And uh, anyways, but <laughs> we it ended up we were all going, you know, going to church at some point with Mike in this big old van of his. 
So, you know, it, but it turned out really cool. My prayer was answered. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't have trials and tribulations and times. You know, there were times like 10 years ago or so, I was like, yeah, I want to give up on God. I just, you know, I got in that rut of being jealous of people I shouldn't have been jealous of because, yeah, they might have had nice things or more money or, you know, something, girlfriend or whatever that I was jealous that they had. But you know what? They didn't, um, they didn't have the relationship with God. And honestly, you know, for the last year or so, I've been struggling to make it out of bed on Sundays and go to church other than sporadically. And so, you know, after this Corona thing is over, I feel that it's over now, but that's not the point of this video or podcast. Um, you know, when churches reopen, I think I need to get re, 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 reborn. And I think, you know, if you're a Christian, you're not born again one time. It's a constant growing and learning process. Um, it, you know, it's just something that you have to do over and over and over and over and over again and over one more time. And, you know, you got to read your Bible once a day. I try to read a chapter a day. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it's nice and easier now that we can access the Bible on our phones. I use BibleGateway.com uh, and they have an app also. Um, and you can select the, you know, there's more than one version of the Bible. Um, my personal top three are the King James, the Living Bible, and the New International Version. Um, you know, the King James is a little harder to read, but who cares if you have to read a sentence twice to understand what it means? I mean, it's written in Old King's English. So there's like a lot of thee and thou and hither and thither and stuff like that. But, you know, you can figure it out. The Living Bible is a translation of the King James Bible, I was told. And it's like a very modern text. Very, very simple English to understand. Uh, but it's the same so I'm going to uh, end this I want to share this podcast segment by itself 